We're going to look at the person of Joseph, the character of Joseph in the Christmas story. We've been studying about false prophets. Uh, We introduced that topic last week. We're going to put that on hold until after the holidays. We'll come back to that in January. And we've got another couple of messages to go through. Uh, Mini series on false prophets. Right now we're going to look at the Christmas story for the next couple of weeks. That's appropriate to do at this particular time. We're going to look at how the, the Bible introduces this in the book of Matthew. And it starts with uh, it starts with Joseph, even before it gets into the story of Mary. Mary's story is really gone into detail in the book of Luke, Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two. Um, I want to encourage you and your family to read the Christmas story, especially on Christmas Day. Go to Luke chapter two and read it together. Right. Maybe even take turns as you read verse by verse. That's a wonderful uh, tradition to make as a family to read the Christmas story. Let's look at verse number 18 together, Matthew 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you are blessed now as I preach your word. I need your help to say that which you would have me say, not to muddle the message with unnecessary things. Lord, I pray the message would go forth with power, that the words would resonate deeply in our minds and in our hearts, that we would not just listen in a shallow manner, but that we would all lean in and really expect you to speak to us. And I pray that you would do that. Bless this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christmas story revolves around God's perfect timing. And we'll have another message where we detail that in, uh, in, in much greater detail. But what we find when we look at the Christmas story is there is a cast of characters and they all listened to God. When we look at Mary, she listened. When we, listen, when we look at Joseph, he listened. And we're going to take a moment and look in chapter 2 here, just a second, in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to look at another character, Herod, Herod the king. <clears throat> Did he listen to God? Did he listen to this message that the Christ child was on the way? And what did he do with that? Galatians 4 and verse 4 and 5, these were the verses we read together a while ago. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse number 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says in verse number 18, Matthew 1 and verse number 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or this is how the birth of Christ came about. Like this is the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. When as his mother, Mary, was a spouse to Joseph. So Mary was the mother of Jesus. Joseph was the espoused husband to Mary, meaning he was the fiance. 
They had not yet come together physically, but they had been uh, promised to one another. That's why it specifically says before they came together. One of the foundational truths in Christianity is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. This is a promised, this is a prophecy promised by God in the book of Isaiah. And scripture very carefully words the Christmas story in such a way, there is no doubt that the birth of Jesus Christ was a miracle. If God can create the world and all of the human beings, it is not difficult for him to put Jesus Christ into the womb of Mary for him to grow as a baby. Jesus Christ, his body was 100% human, but his spirit was that of God himself. His spirit was God. That's why every single time we talk about Jesus Christ, when scripture details that, it says that he was sent. He was sent. That's why it says in Galatians 4 and verse number 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. When we talk about our own birth or the birth of our child, we don't say they were sent in that particular way. We wouldn't describe it that way. They were born. They were made, right? Jesus was sent. His mother was a virgin. He did not have an earthly father. And it says in verse number 18, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. This is one of the foundational truths of Christianity. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ was virgin born and that he was the very son of God, you are not a Christian. The Bible details that over and over and over and over and over again. The verse that we have looked at from the previous weeks of uh, 1 John 4 and verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come, remember, sent, he's come in the flesh, it says, is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is a miracle that God himself, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the son of God, was sent into the world to be in a human body. That human body hungered like ours does. It was thirsty like our human body is. It gets tired. He was sleepy. He would fall asleep. Um, he, he needed to eat. He, he did not have a supernatural body. He had a human body. But again, his spirit was the spirit of God himself. Our spirit is created by God. We are created beings. Jesus Christ and his spirit was not created. He was very God. And so we can see here, um, it goes on to say, 
Look at verse number uh, 22 and 23. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There is a certain uh, teaching out there where everything is God. God created everything, so everything is God. Everything is not God, even though God did create everything. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He was God with us. But if we're going to look at this particular truth from the, from the shoes of Joseph, because that's kind of where it starts here. It talks about Mary, but then it just bluntly says in verse 18, the latter part there, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, how did he hear the news? It doesn't necessarily say, but it said that he found out that she was pregnant. And this is before they came together. It was very natural for him to assume that she had been with another man in some way or another. And so the first point of this is the devastating discovery. And guys, let me just say this, is that this particular template that we're looking at here in regards to how Joseph dealt with this particular situation, this is something we can use every day of our life. Is life different than you thought it would be? Is life more challenging than you thought it would be? Is life stranger than you thought it would be? Maybe you're, you're feeling pressure or maybe you're dealing with things you never thought. Here's Joseph. And again, weddings can be such an incredibly stressful time because of all the planning and all the expectations. It's not just two people coming together. It's two families coming together. Many times it's two cultures coming together. It could be people coming from all over the place, many different locations, and they come together. Very stressful time. And then In this stressful time, here's Joseph and he's thinking, oh my goodness, now this, now this. Sometimes at Christmas, we can kind of think all of the stress of the holiday season, now this. Seriously, this too, right? Isn't it true? We can think that way. Uh, There is, there is stress, And then there's family stress. Can I get a witness? Can I get a little help this morning? Isn't it true? There's stress and then there's family stress. And you can think, oh man, I'm happy for Christmas and all that and this. You know, sometimes I think that's why, you know, when when we look back on our childhood, maybe for you Christmas was a great time as a kid, but it's like we were completely oblivious to any of the stress. To us, it was all about trees and presents and snow and presents and trees and more presents, cookies and whatever, right? But as we begin to get into our adult years, it's interesting how the holidays can be a very stressful time. Very stressful time. Things that you can kind of ignore other times of the year, it all kind of comes together at this particular time. You think, oh, we have to go to their house for dinner. Maybe that's something on your mind. I finally have to see so-and-so. I finally have to meet whatever. Finally have to deal with this. I finally, I'm kind of obligated to go to that. Stress. 
But then we have devastating discoveries. From the very beginning, the first Christmas story, oftentimes we pass over that and we just think, oh, you know, Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem, and that was a stressful time too. Having a baby in a barn, wow. Right? But from the very beginning, this devastating discovery. Let's look at chapter 2. And verse one, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Here's Herod, he's the king. And he also has a devastating discovery. His devastating discovery is you've got these guys coming in from some far country from the east that are saying, we've seen his star. We've seen some kind of sign in the heavens. And this is showing us that there is going to be the king of the Jews that is going to be born here. Now, when Joseph got his devastating discovery, We'll see in just a moment that he did not overreact to this news that Mary was going to be, that she was going to have a baby. But Herod, when he found out his devastating discovery that Jesus was now coming to be born and he was called king of the Jews, he did quite the opposite. He did actually overreact and caused a lot of pain. We can learn a lesson from this and we'll go through a bit more of the details here in just a moment. But when we're dealing with stress, when we're dealing with devastating discoveries, when we're dealing with family pressure, when we're dealing with, I can't believe that person did that this past year and now we have to actually see them on Christmas. How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to deal with that medical discovery? That financial discovery. We are conditioned with these things, these devices. Some of us spend more time on them than others. Nonetheless, we've been conditioned where everything can be fixed by one click. You put in your information and you have a little account. And then when you need something, I mean, honestly, it's amazing. Especially living in the GTA. I mean, all the distribution centers are so close. They got these little vans running around all over the place. They got their little safety vest on, right? I mean, honestly, isn't that really why Santa Claus wears red is for safety? I'm just teasing. Just making sure you're paying attention, right? One click right now. And if we're not careful, we will think that somehow living in the life of faith that with this devastating discovery, how is Joseph going to one-click his, his way out of that particular situation? What button can he click? Some people absolutely disregard Christianity because it takes work. We actually have to apply it to our lives. We can't just immediately pop a pill and make it all go away. We can't immediately just order something and make it all go away. It's amazing when you 
when you start looking at the book titles on Amazon for different questions that people have in regards to Christianity, some, some people write these books and it's just the silliest thing. It's almost like a fad diet or something. Like, well, I'm trying to do this and that or another. And, and we all know, well, if you just regularly do a diet, a little bit of diet, a little bit of common sense diet and a little bit of exercise, you're probably mostly going to be fine. But some people, they want to do this deep dive into something that's extraordinarily painful. The point is, is that with, the, with this devastating discovery, we can see that Joseph handled it one way and Herod handled it a different way. Let's look at the way Joseph handled it. It says in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He's like, but then it says in verse 20, but while he thought on these things, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. We can see here that what he, how did he deal with this discovery? He paused. He paused. He paused. He took a pause. When he found out that Mary was pregnant, he did not immediately deal with it. He wasn't in denial. He's not pretending like it didn't happen. He's, listen, he's waiting for his emotions to calm down so that he can make a clear-headed situation, or a clear-headed decision. There it is. That word escaped me for a minute. (laughs) Do we need to do that? Isn't Isn't it easy to get into the habit of just making snap judgments? This happens, that happens, this thing in the family, that financial thing, this health thing. And we just immediately snap, 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 snap. We make an emotional decision. We make, it, we make a decision. Maybe it's the decision that everybody else is making because that's kind of what it's detailing here in verse number 19. It's kind of detailing and saying, according to the law of Moses, if, if your fiance is found with a child, you can kind of annul the engagement and put her away and she's kind of dealing with it on her own and that's kind of her family's problem. But he didn't really want to do that and he gave himself time to think about this. Listen to this next statement very carefully. When you pause and give yourself time to think, you are giving an opportunity for God to speak to you. When we take the time to pause We're giving God an opportunity to speak. The pause gives God time to speak. The Bible says over and over and over and over and over again, wait on the Lord. What do you mean wait on the Lord? It means when you have a devastating discovery, you pause. You don't react. You don't react in fear. Notice what it says. Look look at what it says uh, in verse number 20, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in them in dreams saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. We're either making decisions based on fear or on faith. Faith, that decision is made based on God's word. 
God is making his word very personal to us by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is using his word to speak to our heart. Guys, can I just challenge you with this? If you find yourself in a stressful situation, wait until after Sunday service before making that decision. Pause and give God an opportunity to speak to you. I just received this horrible news on Monday. Well, wait until Sunday. That that long? Are you kidding me? In a one-click world, waiting for six days is just, oh, how can it be? Can it be? He paused. Stop and calmly think about what has happened. It is impossible to listen to God and live by faith if we are impulsive and reactionary to circumstances and to people. I can't believe they said that to me. Calm down. Again, we're not talking about denial here. We're just pretending like it's not happening. Some people, that's how they deal with stress. They just, they just pretend like it never happened. That The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us to deal with it, but to deal with it in a calm manner and in a manner where we do not allow that, that relationship of trust to be broken, our relationship with God. We're not allowing that to be broken. Some people analyze each decision for so long they're paralyzed. It's called the paradox of choice. Choice, 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 choice. With the internet nowadays, you can have endless choices. I... I, I Uh, recently heard about someone who was trying to pick out a vacuum and they had an Excel sheet. This big sheet. Well, this vacuum costs this much and these are the features and this is this and this is the vacuum and these are the features and it does this and this is the vacuum. Just pick a vacuum for goodness sake. It's just going to last you a couple years anyway, maybe. You're... You're going, to be, you're going to be that stressed out and spend that much time and all the reviews and all the videos and all the YouTubes. And I get that. But if we're not careful, when things happen to us in our life, we will approach it in the same way. We'll sit there and we'll analyze it to death. And God help us if instead of just calming down and going to the Lord, allowing him to speak to us through his word, by prayer, coming to church and allowing God to speak to us through a sermon... We start shopping around for advice. We Google it and we go to the library. Does anybody go to the library anymore? We take our kids to the library. It's something to do, right? Well, I'm going to find a podcast. Remember, false prophets are out there and they can lead us astray. When we find that devastating discovery, it's very easy for us to be led astray because we're vulnerable. Just help me with this. Pause when you hear the news. In pausing, Joseph gave God an opportunity to speak. Look what it says here in verse 20. But while he thought on these things, uh, sorry, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. What did he do? How did he deal with this? He just went about his routine. He thought on it. And when it was time to go to bed, he went to bed. 
Oh, I've got so much on my mind. I just can't sleep. Uh, Philippians 4. Look with me at Philippians 4. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful. That word means anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Be be anxious for nothing. But listen, if God gives us an instruction, that means it can be done with his help. Right? He doesn't command us to do anything that's impossible with his help. Nothing is impossible with God. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. That's what it means. But in everything, in the devastating discovery, right? You see the recipe here? In everything, in everything, you're in the water, right? You're in the discovery. It's happening right now. You're in it. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, let's pick this apart just for a moment. By prayer and supplication. Prayer, telling God, supplication, asking. Tell him and ask. Tell him and ask. Tell him, tell him, tell. Look, don't go pay for a therapist. Amen. Until you've taken the time to just tell. God's free. It's free, friends. Right? Is it free? Do you even have to leave the house? The Bible says, shut the closet door. Right? Meaning, get some privacy. Arrange the space so that you can be open and honest with God. That's what it's saying. Sometimes I find it helpful to write it out. And and not type it out, but write it out. There's something about pen and paper. And then, old school. Write it out and address it to God. Like, tell him. Tell him how you feel. When you look at the book of Psalms, how much of it was David just saying, this is how I feel about this. Sometimes people want to like make Christianity or spirituality so that you feel nothing. You're just like this RoboCop. That's old school, right? I'm this, I'm this robot for Jesus. I feel nothing. I just live by faith. Uh, Jesus felt. Uh, it, it details in Proverbs are in, in Hebrews that he that he knows he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He wants you to tell him how you feel, and oftentimes we don't get the help that we really need because we go straight to asking and we don't tell him. You go to the doctor. Now there are some people in the room that have medical knowledge from training, not from Google, right? Amen. 
But most of us, we go to the doctor and what, what do they say? How can I help you? What are you feeling? Hmm? Isn't it, isn't it interesting that when Jesus with his earthly ministry, he had the heart, he had the heart to help. Like just like a doctor, when they see someone who's sick, they, there's, there's a story of this, of this missionary that's going to a South American country and they, they prepared all these medicines and all these things. But when they arrived in South America, um, in this particular country, everyone was afraid until finally one person who was really, really sick finally showed up to the doctor's office, this little makeshift kind of a shack. He's got all this, all this, all these supplies and all these medicines and all this knowledge in his head. And what, and what happens when that first patient shows up? So excited, right? So excited. Yes. No, he's not, not thankful that the person's sick, right? He's not, doesn't wish that on anyone, but he finally gets to help. He finally gets to ask the questions. Hey, he finally gets to probe and talk and take the temperature, maybe a little blood work, and finally go to the little cabinet of medicines and pull out the proper one with the specific dosage and administer it in a proper way. Because at that moment, everything that he has been training for, all of his hopes and his dreams, all of his desires are coming together in properly and accurately administering that medicine for that individual who's just waiting and willing to finally say, I need help. Doc, let me tell you how I feel. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come to give us this hard, cold set of rules. And he stands afar off and says, follow the rules in this harsh, judgmental tone. That's like a doctor looking at a sick person saying, do better. Excuse me? What'd you go to medical school for? Now we're not talking about, you know, hopefully you have a nice bedside manner as a doctor. Do better. That's, that's what, come, no, that doesn't help anyone. And here we see the recipe that when we see the devastating discovery, we pause and we're coming to him and we're telling him. We're telling him, this is how I feel. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, I'm frustrated. Lord, I'm devastated. Hey, how can he administer the medicine if we don't go to him and tell him? Well, he's God. He should just know. Uh -huh. He does know, but we need to know. Doctors don't run and chase people. That was almost in the pandemic. Praise God they didn't actually do that, right? I'm just teasing. But doctors don't just, hey, there's a sick person. Get him, get him. And they're chasing him down the street, tackling him. Just, yeah, and they've got one. No, of course not. <laughs> That's not the way it works. You've got to come. You've got to come and say, I need help. You know why people don't ever actually get free of their anxiety? They don't ever actually come into 
the reality of God's plan for their life like Joseph did. Oh, it's really this incredible opportunity to be involved in God's plan for all of humanity from the ages to come. That I was actually engaged to the future mother of the son of God. Wow. How did he get to that discovery? How did he get to that place? How did he get to that place of victory where now, hey, isn't it interesting that part of what the angel told him in this message was, uh, hey, Joseph, by the way, don't be, don't be scared. Do you realize that when we come to God with our problem, he takes the fear away and he replaces it with knowledge of his plan? And he says, God with us? Notice what the angel's telling Joseph. He's saying, Joseph, you have fear in your heart right now, but let me, let me open up your understanding and let you see that while right now you're afraid, this is actually God coming into your life. Jesus is God with us. He's Emmanuel. And if we would go to the Lord with our devastating discoveries, with our frustrations, with our pains, with our hurts, stop struggling with it on your own. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop Googling. Stop looking for all the self-help books. Stop looking at all the people on social media that seem to have their life all perfect and put together. You realize people don't always tell the truth on social media, right? Amen. Oh, my my, my friend from so-and-so, they're so successful and they've got the perfect kids and the perfect life and they, they always take perfect... Don't you just hate people that take perfect photos? Right? How do you know they're telling the truth? They have these, uh, they have these weights at the gym and they're, they look humongous. They're, they're for Olympic weightlifting, so they're, they're made out of like a rubber... And from the side, if you don't read the print, I should, I don't, I can't take, they won't let me. Anyway, for an illustration, it'd be amazing. They're this, they're this fat. And, and it's the size of a weight. It goes on a barbell for Olympic weightlifting. And they should be 55 pounds a piece. But these are special practice ones. And they're only five pounds a piece because they're hollow. And I was teasing some of my buddies and I was saying, man, I should put all of these on the barbell, like four on each side. Well, I can't even add up how much weight that would be. Four on each side and just like, you know, and put them on social media at the right angle. They would be impressed. Man, that pastor is so fit. (laughs) Guys, but they're hollow. How many of us are comparing ourselves to hollow? We're full of anxiety because we think, oh my goodness. And it's like, bro, that's hollow weight. You can type out anything you want to on those social media posts. You can. Prepare for God to speak. Prepare for God to speak. Go to him, tell him. Detail how you feel. God comes to Joseph, we're almost done. 
God comes to Joseph and God tells him in this dream. The angel tells him, Joseph, this is what's going on. We've already read it. But God says, this is what's going on, Joseph. And it says in verse 24, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. What happened as a result? Well, he, he listened to God. God gave him special insight into the situation. And he was then able to go to Mary and say, okay, I'm with you on this. Now, here's the point of the whole message. What did Joseph give Mary for the first Christmas? He listened. He listened. He listened to God. If Joseph would have not listened to God, how different would the Christmas story have been for Mary? Notice it says, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's from Isaiah. That's the prophecy. Doesn't say anything about Joseph. None of the prophecies say anything about the virgin and the virgin's espoused husband. He gets to be involved with what God is trying to do simply because he's willing to listen. And there's so many of us, Christians, When we deal with daily struggles or big, big devastating discoveries, we miss out on what God could be doing in our lives. We miss out on what God could be doing in our relationships. We miss out. And those that we love, our wives, our husbands, our kids, our extended family, they miss out. Why? Because we don't listen. Joseph got to be involved in the Christmas story. He got to keep Mary. They had many children together. He got to see the Son of God grow up in his house. The Bible doesn't detail when he passed away, but from the Christmas story, then in Luke chapter 2 at the end of it, when Jesus is 12 years old, after that, Joseph's not really talked about that much anymore. But he was there. We find our purpose when we listen. When we're willing to listen to God. Our relationships flourish when we're willing to listen to God. Our finances start making more sense when we're willing to listen to God. Our future is not met with fear. when we're willing to listen to God. Let's look at a few verses in chapter two and then we'll be done. We looked a little bit about Herod. Herod's hearing about these wise men. They're saying we're looking for, we're looking for the king of the Jews. It says in verse seven, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now he was lying to them, 
The wise men were warned in a dream, don't go back and tell King Herod where Jesus is. And it says in verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. What does that mean? Man, was he mad. Can we say that he paused and waited for God to speak to him about what was happening? Can we say that? No. What did he do? He made a very emotional decision. And he was the king, so he had the power. And what did he do with his power? What did he do with his power? Well, it goes on to say, he slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Guys, listen. We talk about avoiding abuse in relationships. Verbal abuse, physical abuse. Can we see the abuse of Herod? He's lying to the wise men, right? Lying to them. He's not being honest. Why was Herod so angry? Why did he overreact? You think about this. Why was he overreacting? Well, he saw Jesus as a threat. He saw the king of the Jews, as the wise men called him, as a threat to his kingdom. Is that true? And because he saw God as a threat to his kingdom, he was dishonest with other people. Why? Because he's trying to protect what was his. Don't miss this. He's trying to protect what's his, so he's dishonest with other people. And then when he realizes that they've avoided him, he, he's extremely angry. Why was he so angry? The Bible says in uh, Ecclesiastes, don't go with an angry man. Those who are extraordinarily angry, we need to leave them alone. You see, because if, if, if someone is going to give up their anger, they're going to have to then give their trust to the Lord. They're going to have to be willing to accept there are some things in my life I just cannot control. And Herod's like, oh no, I'm controlling everything. And I'm controlling everyone. And in order to make sure that there was no threat to his kingdom, he commanded the soldiers to go out and find every child in that vicinity, two years old and under, and had them all killed. Why do relationships suffer? They suffer from people who overreact and they consider that devastating news to be a threat to them. I'm finding this out. Someone is talking to me, something, this is happening to me and I'm gonna fight for what I want. And that's what the world says that you should do. They, they say that you should act that way. Fight for what you want. No one can tell you, and now it's a part of you know, personal rights and all that and whatever. You've got all kinds of excuses to act like Herod, really. Some of the loneliest people in this world are people that are fighting for their own kingdom. They're, they think that the path to peace is through control. And God teaches us the path to peace is through trust. The path to peace is the path to peace is coming to the Lord and saying, God, 
What's going on here? God says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Can we see the fear? Herod reacting out of fear. Completely acting out of fear. Joseph, on the other hand, he's like, oh, I was afraid, but God's telling me now he's got a plan, so I'm going to trust in God. Herod's like, no, I'm trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in God. Who paid for it? Well, everybody did. Everybody did. We find peace when we come under the rule of Jesus Christ. Our family finds peace. You say, oh, pastor, you don't know my family. Stay strong. Stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Your, your family is not better off with you not following Christ. Your family is better off with you following Christ. This example of Joseph where I'm following the Lord, I'm trusting in him, and I'm bringing that trust, my trust in God. Why? Because if, if I'm like Joseph, I'm not overreacting all the time with, with whatever's going on in my family. Do, can we see that through the scripture? I'm not overreacting. I'm not someone that's extraordinarily angry. I'm not being abusive. I'm not being dishonest. Jesus grew up in the household of someone. Not perfect. Joseph wasn't perfect. He was a good man. What does our community need? What do our families need at Christmas time at all throughout the year, really. They need for Christians to spend time with the Lord, allow God to speak to them about whatever they're stressed out about, whatever they're frustrated about, whatever is so big that they can't figure it out. And instead of overreacting through anger and verbal abuse and physical abuse, by the way, self-abuse is one way that we can deal with it too. I'm going to abuse myself through substance or whatever. I'm going to trust. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're never going to have the fruit of faith if we're not willing to listen. Everybody bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.